Wednesday, August 16th, and here we go. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show. Great to have you aboard. I'm beginning today with Nick Bosa because it's officially time for the 49ers to get Nick Bosa into training camp, for goodness sakes. There has been tons of time to go over what I think we've all agreed to should be a pretty easy contract to go ahead and negotiate. What you're about to do is give Nick Bosa pretty much the most amount of money any defensive player has ever cashed in on in the history of football. So knowing that that is basically the opening salvo from either side of the negotiating table, why the wait? What is going on? We're going to kind of examine who he is, what he's meant to this team, and what this team will and will not do without him. It's really the only issue remaining in training camp that hasn't actually been settled. And I know that there's a little talk today about how the you know 49ers got some game footage from that Raiders game and they didn't like what they saw in the secondary, and there could be some some you know uh, uh, manipulation of what the secondary will look like. Look, there's a long time. There's still two preseason games left before we actually start playing football for real. But to me, how do you go about evaluating anyone, either on practice footage or in, in preseason game footage, without the concept, the presence of Nick Bosa out there because he changes the way the defense functions? I don't know how you evaluate who's playing corner well in a game where Nick Bosa's not playing, and look, I'm not saying you sign him and you play him a whole lot in any preseason game, but this defense doesn't fit together in any way, shape, or form the way it's supposed to without Nick Bosa. The difference between covering a guy for three seconds and four seconds is an eternity in the NFL. That one second difference is the difference between did you win 12 games or did you win eight games? Nick Bosa closes that one-second difference. He is a quarterbacking pressure machine, and the 49ers need to evaluate, and again, with a new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. Uh, do you think Steve Wilkes has even met Nick Bosa yet? I bet you they haven't even been in the same room together yet. I've kept on saying that if I'm Camp Bosa, I'm telling the 49ers, my guy's not stepping a foot on property until a deal is done. If I were the 49ers, I would be so close to closing this deal that Bosa, even though without signing it, would be comfortable at least showing up and starting to be around the team, the locker room, the guys going to meetings. I don't know how much of that he actually needs. He's such a specimen unto himself. But I would get this guy in, and I have no idea what the 49ers are dickering around with what are, you, what are you looking for, a deal on Nick Bosa? You looking to thread the needle on, on, on value for Nick Bosa? He's the most valuable player you have pretty much on the roster in terms of what he does as a starter, what the guy backing him up will do should you have to play that guy instead of Nick Bosa. I, I just don't understand what's going on here. And for a team that, from a roster construction standpoint, has proven itself pretty smart, pretty savvy, what is taking so long getting this deal done? First of all, Nick Bosa is 26 years old. Well, no, he's 25 years old. He'll be 26 in October. Nick Bosa will be 26 years old in October. He's still a 
puppy in this league, and he barks as loud as any big dog. He was the second pick in his draft behind Kyler Murray. Got to have regrets there if you're the Arizona Cardinals, right? Uh, He immediately won the Defensive Rookie of the Year. He helped the 49ers reach the Super Bowl in year one of his career. He's coming off the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award. He was a first-team All-Pro for the first time in his career, obviously. The third Pro Bowl selection, and the only thing really preventing him from going 4-for-4 four four in Pro Bowl selections was he only played two games in 2020 because he got injured. He broke, what, his ankle or whatever he did to himself on, on the turf playing the Jets with MetLife, uh, the death carpet that is probably going to snatch Aaron Rodgers' career right from underneath him this year, too. We'll talk a little bit about hard knocks in episode two in a little bit. But look, another way to look at Nick Bosa, if you're the 49ers or a 49ers fan, as simple as this. Every season he's been healthy, the 49ers have been to the NFC title game. Every year he has been healthy, they've been in the NFC title game. And I don't think he's one of those along-for-the-ride guys. He is officially helping steer the bus. He's got 56 tackles for a loss in 49 starts, 43 sacks in 49 starts. He's appeared in 51 games. He's the best player on the field in almost all of them. He really has been. He's been, as I said earlier, a quarterbacking pressure machine. It's what he does. It's who he is. He's got eight sacks in nine postseason games. And the argument could be made, hey, he's been neutralized in some of these postseason games. And uh, I'll tell you that you're right, but boy, an awful lot of attention goes to Nick Bosa, and it's up to other guys to make use of that attention by starting to explode themselves. So don't look at a lack of statistical production for Nick Bosa in a playoff game when he has to be the focus of every single offensive coordinator in terms of protections and double teaming. He is a nightmare out there, which should open up opportunities along the rest of that defensive line. These are opportunities that, you know, unfortunately, because of injury, Javon Kinlaw has not been able to step into. It's why they went out and signed a huge player at defensive tackle. Um, Barring a career-altering injury. Nick Bose is on pace to be among the greatest defenders in franchise history, and it's not an exaggeration to say he is already very much on pace for a first ballot Hall of Fame career. So what are we talking about? The man's discipline seems to be on 100 at all times. His body fat percentage feels like it's closer to zero than it is 2%. And his conditioning is the envy of a locker room that is full of world-class conditioned professional athletes. All of them look at Nick Bosa and go, God damn, that guy's the Incredible Hulk. Get him in. Get him in. What are you doing? I mean, I'm the one who makes the argument that the 49ers are a lot more competently and well-run than a lot of other people would suggest that they are. This is starting to make me look bad. This is like an incompetent move to not have Nick Bosa in. And don't tell me, well, you know, what they're doing is they're giving him all these snaps off and they really don't want to go ahead and use him very much in practice to expose him to anything. So give him veteran days off. Give him veteran days off. There's a way to have Nick Bosa in camp and not taking practice snaps all at the same time. Get your best player on the team. It feels pretty rudimentary to team building if you ask me. So 
let's talk about the numbers. What's it really going to take? So Aaron Donald, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer when his career is over, Aaron Donald is the highest annual average value carried by any non-quarterback in the history of football. He's making $31.67 million this season, $65 million of his contract guaranteed when he re-upped with the Rams a couple of years ago. Another example that is a man who is even more of a contemporary of Nick Bosa because he was the pick selected right after Nick Bosa is New York Jet defensive tackle Quinnen Williams. Selected one pick after Nick Bosa, he just got a four-year, $96 million extension with $66 million guaranteed an annual average value of $24 million. If you want to, if the Niners argument is simply, well, you're not quite Aaron Donald yet, which would be what the only negotiating tactic that they could use in terms of determining what Nick Bosa is actually worth. I had a hair right there. I had to, I had to pluck that hair off the end of my nose. Um, my opening offer for Nick Bosa would simply be this. All right. So we don't want to give you 31.6. How about 30 a year over five years with $100 million guaranteed? There is no number, no annual average value that should mean anything more to a player than his guaranteed dollars. Get Nick Bosa's guaranteed, you know, almost in that Deshaun Watson level of almost all guaranteed. You know, 30 million over five years without being a math major, I can tell you that's $150 million. Give him $100 million guaranteed. Get him in. There should be no messing around with this guy. You know, not having him in camp is just the wrong message to send to everyone, fans included. And, and you know, more than most, I really don't care what fans think. But this is just a bad message across the board. It slows down his progress. It slows down any meaningful evaluation of what you got around him defensively because everyone functions differently with him on the field. This goes for his line mates across the D-line to the secondary. It all fits better with Nick Bosa out there. Again, Steve Wilkes and Nick Bosa probably haven't even been in the same room together. Don't you think it's you owe it to Steve Wilkes for him to really put eyes on this guy to know what he's got more than film can tell you, get to know him a little bit, see what he likes to do defensively, see how you can build around what he is most comfortable doing. And what he's most comfortable doing is taking a tackle and throwing him into his quarterback. So it seems like a guy you'd want to work with if you were a defensive coordinator. There are 25 days until kickoff. 25 days until this starts happening for real. What are you waiting for? I mean, you don't want him in here just conditioning up and getting ready and iron sharpens iron and all the cliches that you could throw at a guy having to take part in any element of training camp. Like, if any of that matters, get him in here or don't ever tell me it matters ever again. And I am Mr. Training camp matters less than so many people want to sell it to you as mattering. 
Many of these roster choices, many of the much of the depth chart, the vast majority of the depth chart has already been determined. This is back of the roster, end of the roster stuff going on more than anything else, which means you don't screw around with the guy who is literally at the top of your roster. 25 days until the 49ers are playing in Pittsburgh. Get a Nick Bosa deal done. Oh, sip of the day. By the way, speaking of countdown, you want to you want just like a sit down for this? The NBA season starts in 69 days. We are going to be back to Warriors basketball in 69 days. That's a, that's a blink of an eye. That's a sneeze. We'll be here soon. I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, I want to thank my sponsors as always. There's the handsome cardboard cutout of Ike right there. I'll even throw his logo up here and let you know that Ike sandwiches are absolutely delicious. And if you want to make sure they are nutritious, you can go ahead and customize your sandwich to do that. He's got more vegetarian options than most sandwiches have actual meat sandwich options. Uh, He's got something for everyone, you included. Go get yourself a sandwich at Ike's. You're going to be awfully happy that you did don't just get one for you get one for your friends order some catering for your office be the hero of the office bring in ikes you'll be happy that you did go ahead and download his app join that rewards program and what do you know free sandwiches start raining Woo! enjoy i want to tell you about my friends at black and whiskey Looking for good something good to sip on? Get yourself some black and whiskey. Get yourself the whiskey. There's the buy. Keep one close to me at all times. It's a break in case of emergency situation at all times. The blackened whiskey is delicious. I'll even lie to you and tell you it's nutritious too. It's fantastic whiskey. Get a bottle. Get one from Bevmo. If it's not in the liquor store that you frequent, tell the owner, the proprietor, go ahead and get yourself a case of blackened, and you'll find it going off the shelf. Um, Plucers have assembled and are loving blackened whiskey. And let me tell you about my friends at Uncle Boy's. That's a delicious burger in the inner Richmond. And what do you know today? I saw this earlier from our friend Yosarian said, I just saw Dave Fleming and Larry Beer on my way to Uncle Boy's. Thank you, Yosarian, for going out and helping Uncle Boy's. Again, they were victims of a break-in. Get yourself a delicious burger, the lumpia, the onion rings. You'll be happy that you did. Balboa and Forth. And yes, both Larry Bear and Dave Fleming uh, have very nice homes in the inner, close to outer Richmond. I, I, I know where Larry lives. I know where Dave used to live. He used to live right next to my buddy, uh, Ryan Busey. Doesn't live there anymore. But um, wherever Dave lives, he's doing very, very well for himself. So there you go. Uh, Yosarian says he's on the way to uh, Giants game today. So enjoy. You've already gotten the good luck of Larry Bear and Dave Fleming what rubbing off on you. So you got that going for you. Get yourself to Uncle Boys. You'll be awfully happy that you did. Ooh, let me just make that disappear. Um, look, the last thing I have to say on a day where I'm not here to waste your time. I'm not here to uh, drag you through an hour of content when really on a Wednesday afternoon, let's be honest, There isn't an hour's worth of content to anyone give you on the topic of sports right now. There really isn't. There there, is just, let's be honest. We are in the dog days. 
We're about to get the football season. Then we're going to have hours upon hours upon hours worth of content to give you. But we're not quite there yet. But let me just, little advice from Uncle Damon. You need to start forgetting about what Kyle Shanahan says and just follow what he does. You know, the proof is on tape because the players that he believes in are on tape because they're in the game. Albert Breer. Albert Breer. Uh, had an article about Kyle Shanahan coming out of uh, what an exclusive interview that he had with him when he was in Vegas or whatever. And Kyle, in, in, in Shanahan's eyes, he told Albert Breer it's going to take an awful lot to unseat Brock Purdy as his starting quarterback, going as far to telling Albert, quote, he would have to melt in practice to lose the job. Well, first of all, he's trying to talk up his young quarterback, right? He's, he's installing some confidence um, in his young quarterback more than he's really evaluating the depth chart. Uh, I also think it's a little bit of a, an indictment on what he hasn't seen out of Lance or Darnold that Brock Purdy is that comfortable. But here's the thing. Kyle Shanahan is telling you what I've been telling you. Practice doesn't mean squat when he sees it on game day. Game day is what Kyle Shanahan is interested in. Game day production. What do you do when it's all happening for real in the regular season? That's what Kyle's concerned with. That's all he's concerned with. And if Brock Purdy struggles mightily in the regular season, a change will be made. Remember, everything is business as usual until things become unusual. What is a little nuts about this? is that Kyle, for once, is trying to tell you, I've got the quarterback I've been looking for. Niners fans, for years, have been arguing Kyle needs to find the quarterback he's most comfortable with. He needs to get that guy and make a decision and go for, well, Kyle's basically telling you, I got that guy, and you got a percentage of Niners fans saying, not good enough for me. I love fans. Fans make the world go round. There's more fans watching this show today than football coaches or players. I'm sure of it. So I do. I, I, I love you, football fans. But you do not matter to the evaluation process. A coach isn't going to try to make you feel good with a player that he chooses to do something with. Everything is done in the name of what gives me the best chance to win today. Brock Purdy very much in Kyle Shanahan's mind gives him and his team the best chance to win. Why are we having to breathlessly reevaluate the depth chart after every throw, especially throws that do not matter? It's just nuts. You know what would be maybe the best thing in the world for the NFL? It would be for Twitter to be unavailable to football fans during training camp. You've all started concentrating on the wrong thing. We will know more about Brock Purdy and how he looks in Pittsburgh than in any preseason game, any practice, any training camp session. Maybe that's the thing. If we had just left it as football practice, because football practice sounds pretty dismissible, does it not? But we know. We, we took it a step further. We call it training camp. Ooh. 
Ooh, that sounds that sounds really important. It's practice. Calm down. Everyone calm down. Hey, look, it takes a masterful amount of editing on HBO's part to even make hard knocks, which is just covering practice and training camp, be interesting. And it's so uninteresting that they start hard knocks last night with like an eight minute vignette of some mentalist who comes in and really performs some impressive tricks. I don't, I don't know how they, they, how he did it, but a mentalist comes on in and works the jets meeting and makes them all go, Ooh, ah, how'd you guess that number? How'd you guess that Super Bowl matchup that was pulled right out of a player's head? I, how, how'd you do all that? How'd you do all that? They had to fly in Liv Shriver for episode one. You know what the funny thing is about Hard Knocks and the Jets this year? Is Aaron Rodgers comes off an awful lot more cool on the field surrounded by teammates where he's comfortable than he does in the media. And we've seen his backup, right? You know... We've seen Wilson, who was drafted to be the face of the franchise, get a huge slice of humble pie served to him. He seems pretty cool too. Like, like I, 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 I'm, I kind of like the New York Jets a little bit here. I, I, I'm some of the personalities, not the actual team, but they're they got a, they got a monster defense. They got a hell of a quarterback. I kind of like the backup who everyone said was, you know, just kind of standoffish. The, the the locker room didn't like him very much. I don't know how much I believe that. Again, you got New York media full of agenda trying to sell newspapers with every single word they write. Comes off pretty cool to me. Seems to be liked. How about this? Aaron Rodgers definitely likes his backup quarterback in New York more than he liked his backup quarterback in Green Bay because the backup quarterback in Green Bay was drafted to be his replacement, where there is no threat of you're my replacement in New York. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be stretchered off a field for him to not be that team starting quarterback. We all know that. So not not a lot to worry about there. The object in your rearview mirror is not closer than it appears, where at least that's the illusion the Packers tried to sell you on, on Jordan Love. So there you go. I thought I'd be like a quick few minutes and we we're already 22 minutes into the show here talking about um, things you don't need to worry about. Stop worrying about what Kyle says, how he says it. Just worry about the games. That's all you need to worry about. Did you win on Sunday? You know, if you win three to nothing on Sunday, there's going to be a lot of people complaining about, well, they didn't score enough points. And, you know, in some ways you'd be right, but it's a win. That's it. That's all you're looking to do. Just stack wins on top of wins on top of wins. That is the job. Nothing really matters for the Niners until the postseason. They better be in the postseason. To be completely honest with you, the goal for the year, as I've said, is simple as this. Host the NFC title game. The Super Bowl is guaranteed to no one. You can't control that. Host the NFC title game. That feels controllable. Host the NFC title game is the goal. So really, for the 49ers, you could even make the argument that the regular season doesn't matter all that much, but it does. We all know that. But everyone just needs to calm down. 
I mean, if you're all this rattled in the preseason, it's just going to be a long year over here. There's no doubt. There's going to be a long year for some of you who can't handle what you're processing. A lot of people are in their feelings. Uh, we got the San Francisco Giants. What, plating seven runs last night? What are you, what? Are you, what? Now, of course, they were one hit through four innings, as is the tradition. But then the crooked numbers actually started coming. Uh, Estrada and Wilmer hit big home runs last night. What I liked is Gabe Kapler, you know, the diplomat. Gabe Kapler, the soft, reasoned, speaking guy who was last night his first major league ejection as, as the Giants manager. Had he ever been run before last night? I, I can't remember. I don't think he has. I can't remember another time he got tossed from a game. Gabe Kapler got tossed last night for arguing balls and strikes with umpire Chad Whitson. And you know what? He was right to do that because that umpire's strike zone was borderline Angel Hernandez level clownish. It was awful. It was awful. He was given, you know, his strike zone was, he was given high strikes Outside strikes, inside strikes, and low strikes. He basically expanded the strike zone by three inches in every direction. Terrible home plate umpire last night. And it felt like Wade Meckler, because he has no reputation, because he just made his major league debut, was getting the shortest shrift that he could possibly get from a home plate umpire. And that is when, after he got jobbed on the first two pitches of his first at-bat, now he's up for his next at-bat where he's jobbed once again and Kapler came right out and said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Your strike zone is atrocious and I got video evidence. I'm going to show it to you after the game and I hope that they sent that guy, the Chad, uh, Chad Whitson. Freaking Chad. It's, it's hard to like anyone with the name Chad. Chad. Here you go. Here you go, Chad. Sorry to all of you out there named Chad. Your parents should have loved you more. But um, look, Wade Meckler certainly liked the defense that he got. And what do you know? In his next at-bat, he legged out an infield single for his first major league hit. I think they the camera, of course, immediately pivoted to his family. I think his mom was in the bathroom or getting a hot dog or something. I don't know. She, it looked like she was coming running down the stairs after he was already on. I, I hope she didn't miss that. I hope she at least saw it from a window somewhere on club level, wherever they were sitting. But congratulations, Wade Meckler. You got yourself a batting average. You have officially been to first, but you're a better baseball player for the Giants than A.J. Pollock. Can't, can't argue otherwise. It is a 12:45 game today. Last date with the Rays, last home date. It is getaway day. Atlanta and Philadelphia right around the corner. You come home, it's the Atlanta Braves again. This is sink or swim time for the Giants. They got the roughest August in Major League Baseball in terms of how's your opponent and they've been playing some bad baseball in the month of August. Last night was their best game in a couple of weeks, and it was still a game where there were only one hit through the first four innings. Here's some other good news. There's been very few Sean Mania compliments 
thrown around. Junis and Manaya were good last night. Manaya is really settling into a groove, and that's good news. Carlos Ramirez, who does postgame for the Giants along with Laura Britt and whoever they got up there, it's either Wotus or Ishikawa or uh, our pal Rich Aurelia, uh, but you usually see Carlos Ramirez on the set, and he tweeted something today that I thought was pretty interesting about Patrick Bailey. Patrick Bailey is leading all catchers, Major League Baseball, in defensive runs saved with 15. And here's a guy who didn't even make his debut until mid-May. He's second in catcher framing runs, pop time, and catchers caught, uh, catcher caught stealings. And Carlos asked the question, does he deserve a gold glove? Kinda would be the official answer, right? I mean, he, this guy's been spectacular. Now, I think, you know, Wilmer Flores is going to win the Willie Mack Award once again and has been this team's MVP throughout the entire year. Wilmer has basically been this team's MVP for a couple of years in a row here now, and he's been on a heater this year, and the Giants continue to put him in advantageous situations, and even though it drives you nuts sometimes, they take him out of advantageous situations, which means his numbers stay really fat. And when you see a guy with fat numbers, you just want him in the lineup all the time. Well, you know, I'm willing to concede that, you know, maybe Farhan knows what he's doing from that point of view, getting guys out of bad situations that they don't perform well in and leaving them in good situations that they do perform well in. And that is one of the reasons why Wilmer's having such a robust career, really, with the San Francisco Giants. I think he's going to win the Willie Mack Award again, but if he doesn't, it should go to Patrick Bailey. Like Patrick Bailey, gold glove, I don't know. Patrick Bailey, co-Willie Mack, maybe even winning the Willie Mack, considering other than, you know, Wilmer, he's out there every day making a difference offensively, plus all of the defensive responsibilities and pitch-calling responsibilities. I mean, he is managing this staff wonderfully. And let's face it, it's a two-man staff. It's a two-and-a-half-man staff. If, if Patrick Bailey won a golden glove, you couldn't be mad at it. And if he swooped in and won that Willie Mack award, I don't think you could be mad at that either. So there you go. That's what I got for you from a sports standpoint today, but here on Damon Bruce plus, and we called it Damon Bruce plus because I wanted it to be about more than just sports. I saw something today that I just, I, I don't understand. I simply don't understand. You know, there are times when there are injustices happening in the world where you need to speak up and defend your position. Damn the circumstances, right? Two items. Number one, Sage Steele, who went to Indiana University. I've met Sage a few times in person. Who's your connection? Have always left us being very... Very nice to each other. Sage Steele to meet her in person is to meet a very lovely person. But she has maybe more than anyone else in the media turned around to play the I haven't been able to speak my own truth victim card to where she has settled a lawsuit with ESPN and saying she's now leaving the network so she can work somewhere where she can enjoy more of her First Amendment rights.
See, stage from one who uh, sage, stage, sage from one Hoosier to another. Stop embarrassing Indiana University. You don't even know what the First Amendment is. The First Amendment is about the government detaining you for speaking out loud. At no point in time has Sage Steele been detained by law enforcement, local, federal, of any kind for saying anything. Now, ESPN has officially invited her to shut up once or twice, but that's what employers who pay people to talk for a living do across the board. If Sage wants to work in a place where her conservative um, philosophies can be more freely expressed, there are outlets that will provide you that opportunity. I'm sure we'll see you running to Fox News soon, Stage. Sage. Stay. I keep on calling her Stage. Come on. I want to work somewhere where my First Amendment rights are a little bit more sacred. You never had your First Amendment rights violated. You twit. Come on. The other thing. By the way, uh, if you're still on Team Trump, I mean, I don't know what to tell you other than you are a rube. Damon, don't get political. It makes my it makes my heart sad. Wait until you see that mugshot from Fulton County Prison. They write rap songs about that place. (laughs) Or no, Fulton County Jail is where he's going to be booked. The other thing that I want to tell you about is I saw this with Variety Hollywood Reporter. So Bradley Cooper, you know the actor Bradley Cooper, he is facing mounting backlash over his use of a prosthetic nose while depicting composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein in the upcoming movie Maestro, prompting Bernstein's children to actually rush to Cooper's defense for his portrayal of their father. The biographical romance, which Cooper co-wrote, produced, and directed, tells the story of Bernstein, who famously co-created West Side Story with a focus on the composer's 25-year marriage. He's being accused of a phenomenon called Jewface. Jewface is the equivalent of blackface where, you know, you want to accuse Robert Downey Jr. of playing blackface for Tropic Thunder? You could. He did. But because he's a great actor, like he gets away with it. And if you watch the movie, you see that there's a joke there and it all makes sense. You shouldn't be offended about that. The same way you shouldn't be offended by Bradley Cooper to play a character wearing, um, what's it called? Oh, yeah. Makeup. Leonard Bernstein had a freaking schnoz on him. So Bradley Cooper... Asked his makeup department, put a schnoz on me. Hollywood cast Bradley Cooper, a non-Jew, to play Jewish legend Leonard Bernstein and stuck a disgusting, exaggerating Jew nose on him. Stop anti-Semitism, an organization aimed at countering anti-Semitism, said in a Twitter post what like first of all there's an awful lot of 
actual real anti-Semitism out there. To accuse Hollywood of anti-Semitism, that's a big, bold step, right? I mean, that's that's really going out there because there's a billion jokes suggesting the opposite of that. And there's quite a bit of evidence to say that's not quite how that industry works. And Hollywood did not cast Bradley Cooper in this movie. He wrote it, produced it, directed it. He cast himself. And to play the character as historically accurately in a biopic, he's like, I need makeup. My nose doesn't quite match up with the reality of that man's nose. And it's not like he went um, like Nazi propaganda. It's He's looking like Leonard Bernstein. Like, this is insanity. You got to pick hills to battle on these days. If you are part of the Stop Anti-Semitism Coalition, this should drive you nuts if you're to be taken seriously in any way, shape, or form. And I can say this as, a, as an honorary Jew. You got bigger problems than Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose. I'm sure he's going to play the character as dignified as possible in, in the movie that he clearly wrote as a love letter to the guy. I mean, it's just insanity to me. I mean, if you really wanted to stretch it out here, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about acting. We're talking about acting. You don't need to be disabled to play a disabled person in a movie. You don't need to be, you know, I, I you don't you, you don't need to be um Jewish to play a Jewish person in the movie. You don't. It's acting. It's I feel like I just hear John Lovitz going acting when he would play the thespian on Saturday Night Live. This is acting. This is like being upset that The Little Mermaid was played by a black girl in the remake. What are you talking about? First of all, it's fictitious. And second of all, who cares? Well, I believe in my heart of hearts, The Little Mermaid should be white. I believe you should be incarcerated in the funny farm. Look around the world. Look at the problems. That is bothering you? Like, to me, this is the mental exercise. It's like being upset that Chevy Chase played a detective in Fletch, and he's not really a Los Angeles detective. That offends you. This is It's acting. You don't have to be gay to play a gay person. It's acting. You don't have to have suffered from a disease to play someone with a disease. It's acting. It's acting. You don't need to have murdered someone to play the role of a murderer. It's acting. Are you people crazy? And the answer in 2023 is yes. We got like a percentage of people out there that are bona fide freaking crazy every single time you look at them. None of this is offensive, right? Like this is, do you think Bradley Cooper is going to be as offensive as a Jewish caricature, as say Mickey Rooney was when he played a Chinese landlord in Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is maybe the most offensive white person racial depiction in the history of movies. I mean, seriously, he goes full on like Krusty the Clown, like, oh, it's it's terrible. It's, it's you no, know, uh, you know, it, you got to pick some battles in this world. You can't battle everything. 
you know, Hollywood cast Bradley Cooper as. Here's the thing. If a movie about Leonard Bernstein was so important to you, you would have made it. But it wasn't. It was to Bradley Cooper. So he co-wrote it, produced it, directed it and starred in it. He's allowed to be in the movie where he does those things. Don't you think? Pick your battles, people. Pick your battles. Thank you for picking the Damon Bruce show. And Damon Bruce Plus as your YouTube channel of, of this moment. Thank you very much for downloading and listening to the podcast. If you have done that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. We'll be back on Thursday. We've got some guests lined up in the next day or two. So we've got some good shows to end the week. Another good week here for the Plus. And I wish you a very good day as you go about yours. In the meantime, please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, He's gone.